right. I want to talk tonight, if I can, about when the heat bears down. I thought that'd be an appropriate title for tonight's message. <laughs> Considering the season that we're in right now, uh, if you're watching by television, it happens to be here in Missouri. We're in the middle of a drought and a heat wave, and it's been kind of crazy, although I think those temperatures are reflective all across the nation. Uh, but I just wanted to talk about that, and I wanted to share some things out of the Word with you uh, along those lines tonight about when the heat bears down and bring some biblical parallels, if I could, for you tonight. So I'm going to stick a little bit close to my notes. Please give me grace for that, simply because this is the first time I've ever preached this, and uh, I don't know what I said. So here we go. <laughs> How many are familiar with Elijah on the Mount Carmel showdown? You, you know that story. It was a mighty exploit where God answered by fire. But the moment it was over, the moment it was done, the spirit of Jezebel brought a heat of torment down on the mind of Elijah. How many are familiar with the story of Jonah? Jonah. Jonah, although reluctantly, brought revival to Nineveh. Pestilence cut away the vine that comforted him in the heat, and he suffered as the Middle Eastern desert heat plagued him. Everyone here, I'm sure, is familiar with Jesus while winning mankind back from eternal death cried on the cross, I thirst, as he was tortured there. The heat of torment was laying claim on the dwindling life of the Messiah. Paul and Silas cast a demon out of a girl who was held in bondage, but then felt the heat of persecution from the judicial system and society for trying to do good, and it landed them in jail. I'm talking about when the heat bears down on you. Stephen, there's not a lot written in the word about Stephen, but we know that Stephen ministered. His main ministry was to widows, and he ministered kindness to those who were in a lesser state than himself. <laughs> Yet he was burned by the fury of a religious persecution as stones were hurled at him in a murderous frenzy. David brought down a national giant threatening to enslave the nation only to end up on the hit list of the leader that he was most loyal to. And as the heat of offense took him on a goose chase of survival, David felt the heat bearing down upon him. Joseph had a dream of national deliverance, but he was disowned by his brothers, thrown into a pit and left for dead, then trafficked into slavery by the heat of jealousy. He was later imprisoned for reject, rejecting sexual entrapment by a man's wife that he was loyal to as the heat of accusation burned up his reputation. <laughs> Job was minding his own business when a hurricane of trials was loosed upon him. 
He felt the heat of financial ruin. He felt the heat of mournful devastation to the loss of his children in the throes of sinful compromise. He felt the burn of false accusation being hurled by his friends who blamed him for his losses. And finally, he felt the scorching heat of the temptation to throw in the towel, grieving his very life, wishing he hadn't been born as his wife blamed him for all of their troubles on his faithfulness to his God. Tonight, I want us to consider this. We've all suffered similar things, maybe not in the magnitude of some of these things, but we've all have similar stories. You can change the name, you can change the circumstances, but you've been through something that made you feel the heat of society raining down upon you. Can you say amen? Have you ever wondered why the Bible says not to grow weary in well-doing? For of all the stories that I shared with you, including our Messiah, they were doing well for mankind. They were reaching out to help someone else. Job was minding his own business and loving his God when his world fell apart. Living on this side of eternity will challenge you to the core of who you are. Galatians 6, 9 says, let, let, it not become, let us not become weary in well-doing, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Here recently, I've been on the phone and I've been listening to and talking to and, and reading messages from people who are under the weight of the heat of a trial, under the weight of a persecution, under the weight of a struggle. Marriages have been under attack. Many Christian marriages are under attack. A lot of Christians don't know this, but at noon, 12 o'clock noon, Every day, those in witchcraft pray against Christian marriages because they want Christian marriages to fail because if we stand strong, we can take over the world. If they can divide us, a house divided against itself shall fall. In fact, one translation says it like this. It says, at just the right time, if we'll hold on to faith, we will reap a harvest or receive a harvest. The deeds of our decisions follow us, and you will know what seeds that I have planted if you're around when I'm in the heat of a time of testing or if persecution comes. You'll know the seeds that I have planted in my own walk of faith. I'm here tonight to declare that I can take the heat of trial and test. I can withstand the heat of persecution. But no one can stand the heat of God's judgment. No soul. Some shrink back and fall away when the heat of trial bears down. 
They wilt and fade away, leaving behind those who need them. But I'm of a group who, like these patriarchs that I've been talking about and mentioned tonight, have aligned themselves with the asbestos of God's Word. I am not going to let the enemy back me up, shut me up, slow me down, or keep me from my destiny. I've fought many battles in my own lifetime. I've walked through many trials. I've faced loss and devastating loss. I've faced broken relationships. I've had people mock and malign my name. I've been made fun of. I've been shoved. I've been pushed. I've been punched. I've been screamed at. I've been called everything but righteous. I've had a few folks come along, and I'll be very careful here, but I've had few, a few situations in my life when compromise was laid before me, when I could have taken Christ into areas that Christ should never go. But in the end, because I've sowed seed into the understanding that this is my God and I will not forsake you, I will not hurt you, I will not run from you, I will not back down from you, I'm still standing. And that's what I love about these stories that I shared with you. None of these people gave up their faith. The worst one in the whole bunch was Jonah because he stayed faithful, but he wasn't happy about it. Oftentimes, people will wilt and fade away and leave behind those who need them. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't give up the race no matter how much the heat bears down upon us. We got to, listen, listen, husbands and wives, we got to cover our mate and we got to cover our relationship. We got to stand for each other. We got to fight for each other. We got to get on our knees for each other. We've got to wear holes in the carpet and in the knees of our britches calling out to God that we stay strong in this time, in this age of everything being erased. All of, the, all of the lines have not only been blurred, but in a lot of cases, they're completely erased. And the church is no longer the bastion or the stalwart of strength. People come in here and leave just as troubled as they came in because the church in a lot of ways, has lost its way. And if ever, Tony, they need people who will turn and burn. If ever we need, uh, if ever there was a time that people needed to know that there is a God, that he is tangible, that he is touchable, that he is real, that he will answer by demonstration, it is now. It is now. Things are as bad as they've ever been. In fact, the Bible declares that the end times will be like the times of Noah. That's worse than it was during the times of Jesus. And man, are we seeing things unravel before our eyes, even in Christendom. And we look around us and we can feel the weight of what society thinks. And we can feel the weight of, of governmental intrusion into our everyday lives and especially into those of us who want to hold on to our faith. They preach 
all of their dogma and doctrines that are the doctrines of devils and demons. But they won't accept the truth. And sometimes we feel the heat bearing down upon us. Though some shrink away and some fade and some wilt, I'm with a group who, like the patriarchs that I've mentioned, have aligned themselves with the truth. We are heat resistant. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, are you heat resistant? We are fire proof. Mm-hmm. We defy the odds. We endure the strain and we overcome the pain. Mm-hmm. We are like the prophet Jeremiah who wrote in chapter 20 and verse 9, but if I say I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot hold it in. I must tell the world that there is a God that when the heat of the world is is bearing down on me. I don't have to fold. I don't have to give in. I don't have to back down. I can endure the pain. I can stand through it all like our Messiah who cried out, Father, forgive them. I can stay the course. I will not quit. How do I know I will not quit? Because I haven't quit up to now and I'm not about to start becoming a quitter. I'm going to go all the way to the end and my intention is to inspire an entire generation and and to take a church that has fallen away and encourage them to come back to the faith that they know is right. Woo-hoo. Thank you, Lord. Whew. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot stop myself because I am ruined to this life. I sold out to my God. I was only nine years old and had no idea what life held for me. But when I knelt down on an old cold linoleum floor and began to cry out to my God for the first time from my heart, something changed on the inside of me. And I became somebody different than I was when I knelt down to pray. And since that time, the enemy has done everything he can to unravel me and shut me up. He's tried to kill me on several occasions. He's tried to to scare me out. He's tried to buffalo me out. He has tried to to, uh, criticize me out. He has worked feverishly on me. And I don't understand why God would choose me to stand before you tonight. I don't know why God chose me to be at the helm of this ship. I'm not better. I'm not smarter. I'm not more astute nor studied than anyone else in this room. The only difference is God saw in me a stick-to-itiveness that will not quit in the heat of the moment. 
and the ability to love somebody else till they get where I'm at. We're entering into a time and a day. I don't know if you, you, you don't have to be a fan. You don't have to like this person. Uh, you don't have to believe in this person's ability. But I think you will agree with me. You have never seen the political arena go after a president or ex-president the way they're going after Donald Trump. Why? Because they want him to quit. The agenda of the enemy wants him to quit. And whether you like him as a president or not, that doesn't matter. They want him to quit. Why? Because he wants us to succeed. Why does the enemy come after someone? Because he wants you to quit. Because if you succeed... If you're like Pastor Steve and you stayed the course in the midst of everything going wrong, backwards, upside down, and messed up and jacked up, if your heart is true to him, no matter what he throws at you, he hates you. Hates you. And he wants you out of the picture. And for all of his flaws... President Trump, even though I don't know that he has the heart relationship with Christ he needs, he sees the value in it for our nation. Yeah, hey, God, say it. If they're for us, they're not against us. If they're for us, they're not against us, said Jesus. My life is inextricably inseparable from my convictions. That is a fancy word that the Holy Spirit gave me today. And I looked it up to make sure I was using it right. It means I'm so intertwined with what I believe in God that nothing can tear it out by the roots. No matter how the devil tries, he can't stop my convictions that are rooted in God's word that has been branded upon my heart for eternity. May I suggest that every word spoken against me for doing right is like kerosene to my soul on an open flame. Might I add that every pestilence of sickness has fueled the wind of my submission to God and resistance to the mission of the enemy when it has come. One thing I figured out, each and every trial, test, loss, grief, hardship, bankruptcy, persecution, or betrayal I have ever faced without giving up, no matter how much heat I've endured, I am still standing like Jeremiah. I cannot quit, and I won't give up. And each fiery instance, oh, I want you to catch this tonight. Each fiery instance that the enemy has come at me to try to unravel me, to shut me down, to shut me up, to take me out, has only 
warmed my bones. Everything from without became a fire from within. Everything the devil's tried to take me out with has only strengthened the resolve in me that no, you don't. Lie against me. Say whatever you want to say, but at the end, I'll still be standing. The world may not believe me. The world may, may mock me for the rest of my life, but I know my heart is right with God. <clears throat> so I'm only heating up for a final victory. I'm going to spontaneously combust from the inside out due to the all-consuming nature of my fire, of, of, the, of the nature of my Father who is an all-consuming fire locked up in my bones. He's in my DNA. His name is written all over me. And all he needs from me is, yes, Lord, let's do this. And like an asbestos lining, the word is shielding me on the outside and warming me on the inside. And though we know that our age is winding down, our fire is ramping up. Because when the heat bears down, spontaneous combustion is inevitable. So here's my heart tonight. Come, Lord Jesus, let us finish this age. Send the Holy Spirit with the bellows of heaven. Let's take this final generation. Lord, loose the fire of demonstration on your true church and give us back our heritage and loose the apostolic anointing on the church of Jesus Christ one more time. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for this message tonight. I thank you, Lord. I know it was simple. I know, Father, it took a minute for the wind-up. I know, Father, we didn't come in here already worshiped up. But, God, sometimes it's good just to switch things around. And tonight... Under the sound of my voice, there are those inside this room who are under a heat of trial or hardship. And there are many tonight who, who didn't hear this message in this room, but will hear it later. And they will be able to hear how this trial will turn out for their good. God, I thank you from the depth of my soul for finding in me, Father, something you could believe in as I believe in you with all that I have. I thank you for writing your name in my DNA. I thank you, Father, that in my blood is the imagery, Father, of the cross of Calvary. I thank you, God, that I am one of those saints 
that Jesus was talking about when he said, Father, I haven't lost a one. God, help us in the days ahead to take the fire from without and let it fuel us from within to change the next generation. And we give you the honor tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. If you don't mind, I have one, real, one more thing real quick I'd like to... Is it 7.30? Is that what time it is? One more thing. I'd just like to read this, if you don't mind. Some of you may have read this online. It was posted by a pastor friend of mine. But when I read it, uh, Pastor Colleen actually read it to me. And when I read it, I said, oh, my goodness, this man has captured the calling of ministry. Now, he's talking about pastoring because he is a pastor. But you could really interchange the callings of the fivefold ministry, the callings, even if you're not in a fivefold ministry at this stage of the game. If you minister to anybody, you could find yourself in these words that I'm about to read. <clears throat> he starts off this way. Pastoring is weird. <laughs> I heard that. I've poured my heart and soul into people who now act like I don't exist. I've done hours of counseling with people who later deleted me. I've publicly honored people who chose to slander me and act like I was a villain. And then there's people I rarely have conversations with that honor and respect me to the highest degree. I want to say this for the benefit of all of my staff. The next line starts, pastoring is weird. I'm too much for some, yet too little for others. The same preaching that convicts one person angers another. The same sermon that was boring to one was massively impactful to another. I'm praised for being so loving and graceful, yet slandered for being too loving and graceful in certain situations. Because pastoring is weird. We're accused of just wanting money, yet we're also expected to live in humble poverty like a lowly shepherd. And if you have nice things, you're greedy and materialistic. If you don't have nice things, then you must be in rebellion since God isn't blessing you. People are always asking us for our personal time, money, and resources. Yet when we set healthy boundaries to care for our mental health and our families, we're considered selfish. Pastoring is weird. Everything you say and do can be and will be used against you by anyone disgruntled, annoyed, petty, or even just bored. Every mistake is broadcasted as proof that you're unqualified, yet victories seem less talked about because they're expected. Your personal life, hobbies, interests, friendships, relationships, ministry alignments, and family are under a constant microscope and being monitored by people searching for faults and failures. Pastoring is weird. You, 
you give everything you have and somehow still feel like you didn't give enough. You never meet certain people's expectations and you didn't do enough according to someone's opinion. And there's always someone confident that they could do a better job. Yet all they do is criticize from the sidelines. All my pastors are going, amen, pastor. Woo, they're ready to do the worm up here. <laughs> Pastoring is weird. You try your best to protect the sheep from the wolves, and somehow in the process you end up being accused of being a wolf yourself. Sometimes other shepherds who don't even know you spread lies about you and your flock. That's happened to me on several occasions. Because pastoring is weird. And yet there's so much fulfillment in those precious moments. The feeling you get when someone gives their life to Christ is so beautiful. And when you marry a couple who met at your church or bring restoration to a broken family or dedicate a child that mom and dad prayed hard for sometimes makes it seem like it's worth it all. Yet you're asked for by name to be with someone in their last moments. When you're the first person they seek when they need hope, when the healing comes, when the deliverance comes, when the breakthrough comes, when someone who thought they had no purpose gets discipled and preaches their first sermon. When the glory of the Lord fills the room and the congregation goes wild without restraint in his presence, nothing compares to this. Pastoring is weird. It's challenging. It's heartbreaking and can be discouraging. But it's also fulfilling, inspiring, and awesomely life-changing. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. Pastoring is not for the faint of heart. It can be brutal, but it can also be beautiful. Pastoring is weird, but I guess I'm weird too. Father, I thank you tonight. I pray, Father, that my heart was been, has been heard tonight. I came here tonight to encourage anyone who's going through a struggle, a trial, a hardship, or heartache not to throw in the towel, not to run, not to back down, not to quit. And even in the little letter, the little story that I just shared, Father, as negative as the press down of the fire can be upon us personally, it never nullifies the true victories. It never outweighs the reward. Tonight, God, help us go the distance. Tonight, let this congregation, Father, Whatever we face, what we might face tomorrow, remind us, Father, 
that the fire from without is only warming us from the inside out and giving us a fire shut up in our bones so that we won't be still, so that we can change our world around us. We give you the honor tonight in Jesus' name.